You have to have a, a clear vision. You gotta know what it is you're trying to do. In other words, you have to know your why. If you know your why, you can somehow figure out your how. If you don't know the why of your existence, the why of your mission, the why of, of your work, it's very, very difficult to have fulfillment along the pathways of life. Welcome to the Thought Leader Revolution with Nikki Ballou and Michael Palmer. Join the revolution. There's never been a better time in history to speak your truth, find your freedom, and make your fortune. Each week, we interview the world's top thought leaders and learn the secrets of how they built a six- to seven-figure practice. This episode has been brought to you by eCircleAcademy.com, the proven system to add six to seven figures a year to your thought leader practice. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Thought Leader Revolution. I'm your co-host, Nikki Ballou. I'm your other co-host, Michael Palmer. And boy, do we have a treat for you today. Our guest today is a man I consider to be a personal hero. He is been rated as the number one speaker in the country by the National Speakers Association. He has founded more Fortune 500 companies than I could shake a stick at. He is the president of High Point University, and he happens to be one of the world's top thought leaders when it comes to success. I'm speaking, of course, of none other than the legendary Dr. Nito Kubain. Welcome to the show, Nito. Thank you very much. It's nice to be with you guys. It's great to have you. It's an honor to have you on the show. Nito, you know, one of my mentors once said to me, an expert is someone who knows something, and a thought leader is someone who's known for knowing something. You're known for knowing lots of things, not the least of which is how to be an absolutely fantastic success. I, I, I've uh, read a lot of your books uh, that touch on that subject and delve into it deeply. I think our listener would really want to know your story, Nito. Would you mind sharing that with us now? Sure, sure. Well, you know, um, I, I'm an immigrant. I came to the United States as a 17-year-old and and had $50 and could hardly speak English and, and, and practically knew no one, And but I had a heart filled with hope and desire. I like to say there's no such things as unrealistic dreams, only unrealistic timelines. So I was committed to the process of the journey of uh, success and significance. And, and I say committed, you know, you make a decision with your brain, you make a commitment with your heart, that's a big difference. Commitments are longer lasting, they're harder to break. And so I was committed to have a life filled with success and framed with significance. One without the other uh, is incomplete. So I wanted a life that is successful, but I want a life that is impactful and meaningful, that can touch the lives of others. I like to say that I invest one-third of my life in earning, one-third of my life in learning, one-third of my life in serving. It is the equilibrium of those three. It is the perfect balance of those three that makes my life enjoyable and joyful all at the same time. So, you know, I, I believe that in, in any field, in any sector, in any pursuit in one's life, both individually and corporately, 
you really have to have four things. You have to have a, a clear vision. You gotta know what it is you're trying to do. In other words, you have to know your why. If you know your why, you can somehow figure out your how. If you don't know the why of your existence, the why of your mission, the why of, of your work, it's very, very difficult to have fulfillment along the pathways of life. The second thing is to have a solid strategy. A solid strategy basically answers three questions. Where am I today? Where do I want to go? And how do I get there? And so a solid strategy basically says, here's my forecast, here's my future view, here's what I think could happen. And third, you have to employ practical systems. The mistake so many entrepreneurial thinkers make is that they have too much pie in the sky. They, they have too much optimism. I think of myself as a paranoid optimist. I don't think of myself strictly as an optimist. And so practical systems means that you, you really have to be positive and at the same time be practical. Pragmatic. And then the last piece, of course, is to have a commitment to consistent execution. The, the reality of it is you, you cannot really fully accomplish something worthwhile in life um, if you're committed to it just sporadically or periodically. You truly have to be uh, engaged in the process through thick and thin, good days and bad days, and plot along. These are the four things that I believe can work for anybody at any time in various ways at various times. You know, I love what you just shared. And in particular, I like what you said about the importance of being committed to something for the long haul and not just sporadically. We interviewed another gentleman earlier today and his message was very similar to that. Very, very powerful. We've identified four key elements of thought leadership. And in our view, you've really nailed all four. I'd like to just go over what these four are in our view and ask you to comment on them if you would. Number sure. one is having a, a clear message and having a clear target market for your message. Number two is having a strategy of preeminence or being the very best in your field. Number three mm -hmm. is finding the right mentors to work with. And number four is finding the right peers to walk along the path with you. What are your mm -hmm. comments on these four elements? Okay, let's take them one, one by one. The first one was the, the messaging. Is that what you said? Yeah, the clarity of messaging and the clarity of who your target audience or market is. Right. So that, that plays into my clear vision, you know, and my solid strategy. If you, if you cannot describe to me in 12 words or less, there's no magic to the 12 words, but approximately that, if you can describe to me briefly and clearly what it is you're trying to do, what service you're trying to sell, what is it that your company or you do to serve others, if you can't say that briefly and clearly, then you your message is not clear, it is nebulous. And a nebulous message is hard to sell because a nebulous message is hard to, is hard to repeat. If people can't repeat what it is that you do, you're not gonna have a lot of advocacy in the marketplace. Remember that, that any, any business, it doesn't matter what it is, and any thought leader and any leader in any field, really needs brand advocacy. You can't build it strictly on brand awareness. When we talk about branding, we're talking about brand awareness, someone knowing who we are, or in terms of thought leadership, someone aware of the theories you 
advocate or the or the formulas you have invented or the concepts that you have articulated. You can't do it just with awareness. You have to do it with preference, right? People have to prefer to follow that notion. And preference alone is not enough. You need to have insistence. You have to have a lot of people knowing about you. You have to have a few people who prefer you and you have to have a distinctive group that absolutely insists on you. But at the end of the day, what you want is advocacy. You want people talking about you or your ideas or your plans. You want people advocating it with positive terms. That is to say they believe in it and they are, they recommend it to other people. That's true of a movie. It's true of a book. It's true of a, a leader too. Then your second point was? Strategy of preeminence or being the best in your field. Yes, yes. Well, you know, I, I don't know how I feel about that one. I don't really get up in the morning trying to be the best in my field. I get up in the morning trying to be the best that I can be. And I think there's a distinction because I like to say that winners compare themselves to themselves. Losers may compare themselves to other people. I don't try to uh, measure what I do against what somebody else does. As you know, I'm president of High Point University. I, you know, we took a university that was unknown and, and um, unbranded. And in the last 12 years, smack dab in the, in the eye of the storm, smack dab in the, during the Great Recession, you know, we, we quadrupled the size of the university, took it to number one among best colleges in the South, according to U.S. News and World Report, top 20, according to Princeton Review, top 20 best run colleges, on and on and on and on, and built our net assets. We're number two in the nation among colleges in building net assets between 05 and 15, and our applications are going through the roof. We created tremendous demand for this institution, and we didn't do it by comparing ourselves to other schools. We did it by saying to ourselves, what is our potential? What is it we can do? Let us exit an ocean of sameness. Let us swim in a lake of differentiation. Better still, let us really swim in a small pool of distinction. And so, you know, at Hype University, we say we 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 provide holistic education. We prepare students for the world as it is going to be, not as it is. We believe in the art of the possible. We believe in personal initiative. We believe in, you know, uh, private enterprise. All of these things uh, were really our own invention. We were not trying to be anybody else. We didn't compare ourselves to anybody else. So I think it is important to have a strategy to be excellent, albeit perfection should never be our goal, excellence should be our goal. So if you're suggesting that average is out, excellence is in, and therefore you're suggesting that excellence can be defined by one word, which is relevance, then I completely agree with you. You have to be relevant. You have to be terrific at what you do. You have to meet the needs of other people at a very high level, at an extraordinary level. That's the only way you're going to get people to advocate who you are and what you do. So the the, the vision and the strategy are, of course, very well connected uh, to, 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 these, to these points. And the third one was the, the peers. No, the third mentors. one was... Finding the, the right mentorship. Mentors. Yes. 
Yeah, mentorship. Well, you know, when I was a little boy, um, my father died when I was six years of age. My mother brought us up, five of us, three boys, uh, three boys, two girls. And uh, my mother used to say to me, if you want to be a great man, you must first walk hand in hand and side by side with great people. It simply meant who you spend time with is who you become. What you choose is what you get. How you change is how you succeed. In other words, what my mother was saying to me is, you got to have heroes, models, and mentors in your life. You know, no person is an island. We are the byproduct of the zone in which we reside. We are the byproduct of the atmosphere in which we, um, we, we place ourselves. So I think it's, it's imperative that you have mentors. And mentors come in all shapes and sizes, as you well know. A mentor could be somebody that you actually hire for fee, and they could be your coach, and they could show you what to do. You know, I like to learn from the experts. Here's why. The experts have their knowledge in order. If your knowledge is not in order, the more knowledge you have, the more confused you become. Take a simple example like the alphabet. If you didn't know how to put the letters of the alphabet in order, the alphabet would be of little use to you. You couldn't practically use the alphabet for good. So I want to be, I want to learn from a mentor, a coach, a guide, an advisor, a counselor who has been there, done that, who has been battered through life a little bit, who survived and thrived in spite of, in spite of difficult times, who understands that out of adversity can emerge abundance. And so mentorship is, is very, very important. But I don't want to be mentored by somebody who succeeds at everything. I would like to be mentored by someone who failed a few times and who learned from their failures. Big difference between productive failures and non-productive successes. And so I want to learn from people who have had some productive failures, been there, done that, extracted some lessons, applied them for, for better years ahead. And then that's what I think was peers. Uh, you know, it plays again, peers plays into my point that, that the environment in which you choose to reside directly influences the person you become and directly impacts the level of success that you will experience. So if you want to be, you know, a great speaker, you need to hang around some great speakers. If you want to be a great thought leader, you need to hang around people who are great thought leaders. If you want to be a terrific author, you must hang around a few people who are terrific authors. It doesn't always mean that you can access them in person. You could watch their videos. You could go to their seminars. You can read about them. You know, I read uh, hundreds of biographies and autobiographies over the years because I wanted to capture the essence of how a person thinks, right? Mindset is the is ultimately the most important thing. I always wanted to have an entrepreneurial mindset. I never wanted to have a worker's mentality. I wanted to be the kind of guy who who has grit, the kind of guy who has growth mindset, right? As Dr. Carol Dweck of Stanford says, you have to have a growth mindset, not a fixed mindset. Someone who's willing to take risks, someone who has a, a sense of awareness, someone who, who acknowledges that I don't have all the answers, but I do have the capacity and the ability and the willingness to go find them. And when I find them, I'll apply them and I'll get people who will guide me to do it. So yes, the peers you hang around um, and the peers that you, that you learn from and the masterminds that, so to speak, that you, that you choose to, to be a part of uh, will, will have enormous, enormous 
uh, impact on your success and not just on your success, but on the sustainability of your success, which is a big point, right? You can succeed for a while. How can you succeed in a sustainable manner? That's ultimately the difference between a manager and a leader is a manager manages a process. A leader inspires and grows people. So what a leader does is he or she creates capacity in other people. What a thought leader does is they focus on creating capacity within you. The way you think, the way you act, the way you make choices, the way you take risks. And, and creating capacity is a noble endeavor. If I can help create capacity within you, you will begin to like yourself even more. Because now you can be more, do more, serve more, give more, have more. And, and so, you know, leadership is not about uh, rah, rah, you know, give a, t- a speech and just motivating people. Leadership is truly about helping someone to change from within. All meaningful change comes from within. It's a difference between training and education. You know, when you train somebody, you show them the how. When you educate somebody, you you show them the why. The people who know the how will always have a job, but the people who know the why will always be their boss. And so as the world changes, as the world is becoming more flat, as, as we become more competitive, uh, we have to we have to really uh, acknowledge that that it is it is imperative that we have peers who can nourish our mind and can nurture our hearts. Completely inspiring, and uh, I mean, we could just play that back. I mean, you've just about said everything. <laughs> I'm almost out of questions. You've answered all of them. Uh, you have incredible success with High Point University. What have been some of your setbacks in that journey, and how did you overcome them? Well, thank you. Yes, we have had enormous success, and we've had enormous success because we actually did four things. We created value as number one. Absent value, you, you don't have anything. So always, always define what that value is. So we've created value. Then second, we interpreted the value. We probably interpret the value better than most. Uh, interpretation value means you have to know the difference between your product and the product of your product. So you could be an insurance salesman. Your product could be an insurance policy. But the product of your product is the safety and security and other advantages that people receive as a result of buying your product. And that's a very, very different skill. I can describe the value of what I do all day long, but I may not be able to interpret the value because value interpretation is focused on the other person, right? It's the recipient, the receiver, the customer, the client who will define how uh, that value is applicable to them. And so we've created value as an institution. We interpreted the value by talking to parents and students about the why. Why are you going to college? It's not just to acquire knowledge as important as that is, but it's also about preparing yourself for for a productive life. It's also about getting a job, starting a business, being a partner. And, you know, how do you do that? You do that by developing the five capitals. We think of a capital as being financial capital. There's also educational capital, uh, uh, reputational capital, physical capital to take care of your health 
and and relational capital. You're as good as the depth of your Rolodex, so to speak, your contact base. And so we create value, we interpret the value, we removed all the irritants from the system. What is it that our customers don't like? What is it that parents find to be irritating? You know, when I ask executives sometimes, tell me three things that irritate your customers about doing business with you, they're befuddled, they have a hard time coming up with them. I say, give me, give me um, uh, three things that pleases your customers about doing business with you, and then you go ask the customers the same question, you may get different answers. That's a disconnect. And then the fourth one is that we created wow experience. We added wow to the experience. So we believe that the process of selecting a college, enrolling in a college is an experience, and we said, how can we add wow to that experience? We've done hundreds of things to create wow the experience. So we did those four things, and we did them in ample supply. We did them with a committed population of staff and faculty. We, we enhanced the culture. We made sure that the culture of the university is a welcoming culture. And we changed language. We, we, for example, we don't refer to uh, food service as food service. We changed the language from food service to hospitality. And when you run a restaurant on campus, you know, the students who come to eat at your restaurant are your guests. That's a different language. You treat them differently. You host them differently. With the maintenance people, electricians, the landscape people, we changed that from those words to campus enhancement. Your job is to enhance the campus. People took pride in that and wanted to perform more. So those are some of the things that we did that have been that have been enormously beneficial. Obviously what we did is is feed and resource the academic segment of the university as we should and enhance its reputation, attract outstanding faculty, and enable students to have experiential learning. Now, along the way, of course, we failed at a few things, too. Uh, for example, our communication with the city itself wasn't very good. So we were driving like maniacs, like a bull in a, in a China store. And we weren't doing a very good job explaining this to the community at large or to city council. And we scared the heck out of them. And all they could see is expand, expand, expand. We bought a 1,000 houses at much better than market value. We tore them down. And we um, we to, to expand the campus because we had 90 acres landlocked today. We have 450 acres. So we did some aggressive things. And we didn't do a good job in saying, I wonder how this is being perceived and how we can connect with people a little more intelligently. Uh, we made some other mistakes. You know, we, we, along the way, succeeded so fast, so well, that there were a couple of years in the last 12 years where we got a little overconfident and we we got a little uh, too comfortable and all of a sudden our numbers you know got got beat up a little bit not much but beat up a little bit and it taught us a very valuable lesson that when you're in business when you're in marketing when you're in relational communication you can never take it for granted you know every day is a new day every year is a new year you can't just say well our reputation will guide us we're going to do just fine because last year was great so this year will be great you really have to sit down every day from a zero-based thinking perspective and say, if we're starting this all over again, how would we do it? What would we change? 
what are the levers in our organization, as in points of leverage, what are the levers that can control our success, that can impact our direction? What are the resources that can help our people? And most importantly, how are we inspecting what we are expecting? So those are a couple of things that we did that did not work quite as well as we'd like for them to, uh, but they're very correctable and very fixable, and we have fixed them. Uh, but overall, of course, we've had, you know, we've had enormous success, and we're very grateful for that. It's remarkable what you've done, and uh, just listening to that, I mean, it's, it's a formula that could be applied to any business, to any, any project, anything that you're doing. You've broken it down into just such simple formula to creating value, creating something that is a wow, wow effect. You've, you've done this all over the place throughout your career. Is this, is High Point sort of bringing all of the things you've learned along your career into one project, if you will? Yeah, that's that's nicely said. You know, some people said, you know, I spent all my life preparing for this for this position. I think there's some truth to that. I, I've been in, you know, I've owned a lot of companies. I've been in retailing and banking and in consulting and real estate and publishing. Of course, I had a thriving speaking, professional speaking business and consulting business. And I've helped a lot of people build their businesses and think through uh, their own strategic uh, plans. And yes, I think in a way, you know, God has a plan for all of us. And for me, it was preparing myself to come here and be a steward of this work. And I have to say, it's been and probably the most enjoyable thing I've done in my life because uh, we've had, you know, we've had freedom to sort of move and make things happen. At the same time, we had a great sense of responsibility that when families entrust their children to us at High Point University, both undergrad or grad, they expect us to take care of them, to educate them, to prepare them for their careers, uh, to integrate them in the process, to engage them and invest them in something worthwhile. And that's a tall order, and we take it very, very seriously. We like to say that that families give their children roots, and we, we here at Hype University give them wings. And I'm just privileged and blessed, really, uh, to be doing what I'm doing. As you know, I still speak and still consult a little bit and still write books, um, and I'm still involved on a number of boards and so on, and all of which really enriches what I do at High Point. I also teach all of the freshmen. So today I taught two classes of freshmen, 700 students per class. It's called the President's Seminar on Life Skills, where we talk about things like fiscal literacy, communication, presentation skills, time management, leadership, you know, those kinds of uh, topics that are thought of as soft skills, but that every single employer tells us they really look for graduates uh, and, and people applying for jobs, therefore, in their companies who possess these soft skills, because this is these are part and parcel of the foundational cornerstones that can aid or or impede your your success in life. And so we do tons of things like that. In my own life, I've you know I, I call it work, but it's not really work. I I love coming to the office every day. I love everything that I do. I may not like everything I do, but I love the overall engagement of my career. And, you know, I wish for everyone that kind of joyful investment of time and energy in something that you believe is worthwhile and worthy of your best efforts.
You know, I've read a lot of your books. You've uh, been gracious enough to gift a few to me, and I've uh, gone online and bought a bunch of other ones. I've had the privilege of seeing you speak. Uh, you are absolutely a dynamo in front of the audience on stage, and your books are incredible. I, I highly recommend to the listener, pick up some Anito's books. If you have an opportunity, go online and, and watch some of his speaking videos. If he's going to be speaking in your city, find a way to get to them because you're, you're incredible when it comes to imparting your knowledge. Uh, have you ever considered offering this uh, uh, course that you teach the freshmen to the larger public? No, I have not, but it's a great idea, and thank you for the suggestion. By the way, if somebody wants to uh, dig a little deeper in my work, they can go to Nido, N-I-D-O-Q, very simple, N-I-D-O-Q, one word, N-I-D-O-Q, dot com, and you can see all of that. If you want more information about High Point University, it's just High Point, H-I-G-H-P-O-I-N-T, one word, High Point, dot E-D-U, and they will find lots of lots of material. If you go to highpoint.edu slash innovators, you can watch my interviews for public television with many people like Colin Powell, Condoleezza Rice, like Malcolm Gladwell, like Seth Godin, like uh, uh, John Maxwell, uh, like the co-founder of Apple Computer, Steve Wozniak, the co-founder of uh, Netflix, Mark Randolph, and so on. So it's available. It doesn't cost anything to go and, and learn from all that. That's fantastic. Absolutely. We'll make sure we put those in, in the show notes with our strong endorsement. I got to tell you, Nito, when I, I had the privilege of speaking at High Point uh, about three years ago, and I spent a lot of time on the campus. I want my children to go there. And We're we live good. In Bring them over. We live in Canada. So that tells you, you, you did a really fantastic job with that university, and I'm, I'm very Thank impressed. Thank you so much. No, it's, it's absolutely incredible. You know, we, we like to end off every interview by asking our guest, what are the top three expert action steps that you recommend the listener take on immediately to take their business and their life to the next level? All right, number one, define what it is you want to do in your life. Define what, it, what are the goals that you have in your life. Make them as specific as you can. Make it as short as you can. And make it as clear as you can. Number two, decide how you're going to get there. In other words, what are the steps that you're going to do starting right now to, to make each of those goals come to be? Specifically, what are those steps? Number three, put the power of focus to work. Focus, 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 focus. Don't let anyone take you away from, from your focus. You know, focus is more important than intelligence. Mm -hmm. And a person with a high degree of focus can beat a, a very bright person any day of the, of, the, of the week if they're not highly focused themselves. So those are, those are the three things I would suggest. I find that most people have a very nebulous definition for what would make them happy. And if you don't have that definition with clarity, then you're shooting in the dark. You're not really following a very specific plan for your life. And, and that's sad because life is short and we will all die someday and we, we need to use every day in every way uh, in a meaningful way. And we need to be grateful for oxygen because oxygen is what gives us life and energy and existence. Brilliant. Love it. And listener, if you're listening to this, definitely go to Nito's website, nidoq.com and uh, consume his material, buy his books, buy his CD programs and video programs. Definitely go check out High Point University if you have children. 
that are uh, going to be going to university. It is, in my opinion, the finest university in the world. And um, here's the, the last thing I want to say to you as a listener. If you're serious and you, you have a message inside you that you feel could resonate in the marketplace and you want to be the Nito Cobain of your space, then let's jump on a call. Let's find out if what you have is something that has value in the marketplace. And uh, you can do that by going into the show notes. There's a way for you to uh, set an appointment with us. Let's go ahead and do that. Nito, thank you again for giving us the privilege of uh, having this session with you. It was incredible to have you on the show. I'm really, really blessed. Thank you so much, you guys. I enjoyed it, and have a great day. You bet. Take care. Take care. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That wraps another episode of the Thought Leader Revolution. And wow, that is a revolutionary changing the world in so many ways for so many people. If you'd like to learn more about our wonderful guest today, you can go to thethoughtleaderrevolution.com. Until next time, goodbye. Goodbye.